everybody's got to eat. And nobody likes getting sick. That's why Heroes toil in the shadows, keeping your food safe at all points, from the supply chain to the point of sale. Join industry veterans Francine L. Shaw and Matt Ragusi for a deep dive into food safety. It all boils down to one golden rule. Don't eat poop. Don't eat poop. Hello, hello, Francine. How are you? Good. Another day, another 50 cents. Another dollar. I'm expensive <laughs> and worth every penny. Oh my gosh. You know what will be interesting is whether or not my grandkids will use pennies. I don't know. Yeah, it'll depend upon whether, how, how, probably how soon my older children actually have children. Well, I was just going to say it'll depend on whether or not people stop putting them in jars and there are still pennies around. <laughs> Uh, yes, that's true. Yeah, well, they no longer be in circulation. That is that is so, a very good point. Is that a thing for you guys or anybody you know? Do they put change in jars or? Oh yeah, one hundred percent. You know what's funny is I will get like there's a whole different exchange, money exchange now, and it's in video games, right? So my kids will want something from a video game like Roblox or Robux, something like that. And they'll roll pennies for me for that and like exchange to me pennies for dollars into whatever video game they're playing. Well then. So I don't know if you know know this about me or not, but when I went through um when my first husband and I split up, when I left him, I left with nothing. Like absolutely nothing. Um, the uniform that I was wearing. That was it. And I was the primary breadwinner. So like that's how bad it was. I just wanted to be gone. So I, at one point, was flat broke. I mean, when I say flat broke, I was, I was broke. At one time, the electric company came to my house and took the meter off the side of my house because I could not afford to pay my electric bill. That's how broke I was. So at that point, my son was still in high school, I believe, and my daughter was in college. And I can remember my daughter needed some money and I had a jar of change and I can remember sitting down and counting money out of that jar of change and sending her money (laughs) from that jar of change Yeah, when she was in college. I do what you got to do. Now she had no idea. My kids had no idea at that point, you know, that it, how bad things were. I mean, I was, I had, I bought a house, but yeah, it was pretty rough for a while. That is a good point because a lot of times I will pay in dollars and in, in store my coins mm-hmm. just for that that reason. And it, it is te- legal tender and theoretically everybody should take legal tender. Mm-hmm. But you notice that like vending machines don't take anything like that. They don't take pennies. But, well, no, they never – have they ever? I don't, I don't know. It's a good question. I mean, I am I asking you? I'm – Significantly older than you, I guess. Um, and I, I don't think vending machines have ever taken. No, I mean they took dimes at one point. You could put like mixed change in a vending point machine at one point. You could put dimes, nickels. You could actually mix change to put in at one point to get like a can of soda. I don't know that you can do that anymore. Uh, now, now you have to use like a credit card to pay. I was just going to say you can use a credit. I haven't used a vending machine in so long. You can use, yeah, you can use a credit card. First time I saw that, I was like, wow. (laughs) Um, When I was managing a restaurant, I had a payphone in the corner of my parking lot because I was a a travel store, so to speak, or a seasonal store, whatever you want to call it. I was right off the highway. 
And during holidays and things like that, we would be incredibly busy. It was absolutely crazy how much money I made off of that payphone. I would make a few thousand dollars a month off of the payphone in the corner of my parking lot. No, really? A few thousand? I mean, and and that was how long ago? 30 years ago? Okay, not quite that long ago now. About maybe <laughs> 20. <laughs> 20-ish. <laughs> no, it couldn't have been 20. Payphones were gone 20 years ago. No. The reason why I got a uh, cell phone was because in 2001, 2000, well, maybe it's California, it was different, but they 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 went from like 25 cents for a payphone up to like 50 cents for a payphone. And then I was like, nah, okay. Now the economics of a cell phone actually made sense, but that would have been like 2002, 2001, 2002, 2002. So it was- it was about 20, well, it's about eh, maybe a little over 20 years ago, but not much. But a couple grand, that would have been a lot. That was awesome. Oh, it was phenomenal. That that um, oh, cell phone machine, <laughs> that, that pay phone was a huge moneymaker for me. Yeah, all of our younger audience members are like, what the hell is a pay phone? <laughs> <laughs> what are they talking about? Her what, you just exchange made- <laughs> and make phone calls? Her pay phone made her money? How did that happen? <laughs> Yeah, we got a commission from the payphone. Uh, you know, I'm not saying I ever did this, but uh, if you didn't like someone, what you do is you just call collect to somebody and then tell them their mom's name and then they would answer it and then you hang up. A collect call? What is that? <laughs> yeah, right? Oh my gosh. You know what though? On the flip side, my children say things to me and I'm like, what? What does that mean? Prank calls? What? How'd you do that? Everybody knows who's calling when you call from... How did you do that? Uh, five minutes into this and we have not talked about food at all. Why did you call me? What was this phone call about? This is how our phone calls happen. Oh, that is absolutely true. You and I will, you one of us will call each other for an actual reason. And halfway into the conversation, we'll have forgotten the reason. Oh my gosh. You, it, oh, Lordy. This is why you and I could be friends, but we could never, ever, there would be no way in hell we could ever marry anybody like each other. Oh my God, no. Nothing would get done. No, no. This is why the people that we married are good for us. Yes, 100%. And the exact opposite. The the conversations our spouses could have with one another would be, they would so be able to relate. So my sister called me the other day and she said, this is so funny. She's like, so how do you make money? (laughs) What do you do? Right. Like, excuse me. Well, it, what what do you what do you do? How do you how do you get a check? What, I'm like, what, what are you talking about? Yeah, if you're like, well, I I, um, I sell training materials better than the company that makes them. <laughs> <laughs> Oops! Tomorrow they're gonna sell. <laughs> I'm gonna get a phone call. Uh, no, but both of us, uh, it's just it's it's service oriented and. It's funny because you and I are both very, very focused on what we do, and we do what we do very, very well, but we are kind of unique in the industry. Right. Well, and two, the fact that so many people don't see providing service as a value. Yes, except for the people that really do. Well, that's interesting. Yeah, because both of us provide a service that people really have to do as opposed to want to do. Right, right. And that's sometimes hard for people in the service industry. Right. I mean, think about that. So that's why somebody that does not have to pay for service on a regular, which she doesn't, 
you know, on a regular basis, they don't understand people that do pay for. It goes back to the conversation you and I had yesterday about just different perceptions. Right. As, as you're, as you're moving into different industries that you're doing, the perceptions of what actually you pay for within those industries is, is, is almost a, a learning step within itself. I don't think twice about paying for a service if I don't have that skill set. Right. Because I understand the value of that skill set. Because you and I both provide a service that most people don't have, uh, of knowledge that most people don't have. Right. And we understand the value in learning. So anyway, I just thought it was funny when she said that. She's like, yeah. Oh, um, well, my wife was my wife was like uh, with the FDA one that you and I both thought was at the end of it was boring because it's very different than what you and I talk about uh, with our other podcast. Much more, much more knowledge bomb in that one than our usual stuff. And my wife absolutely loved it. She's like, hi, ah, you know, after. 20 years of kind of getting to know what you do. And I'm like, oh my gosh, are you serious? Literally, I've created multiple businesses of what I do out of our house. Mm-hmm. We've had employees that were your friends of mine, of, of yours, that that I employed, employed, that worked in our house. Mm-hmm. And, and you still don't know what I do. It's, it's fascinating. Which is great because a lot of the people in the industry don't know what we do either job security. <laughs> so, someone called me not too long ago and they're like, I really would like to have your help, but I don't, I'm not really sure, not really sure how you can help me or what it is that you do that might be able to help me. Oh, I can probably help you with that. <laughs> I mean, we could probably launch into speaking of knowledge and what it is that we do. We could probably launch into the the topic of, well, I guess we have a couple topics, but one is uh, do you want to start with the dirty dozen? We're going to talk about the dirty dozen, which is like pesticide. The the fruits and vegetables have the most amount of pesticides on them. And then what do they call the other 15? What is that? Uh, the clean 15. The clean 15. And then, which which I think is fascinating. When we go through the dirty dozen and the clean 15, it, it almost makes common sense why the, the clean 15 is different than the dirty dozen. And then also there's an outbreak in hepatitis A in frozen organic strawberries. It's really big. And it's it's like listeria. You don't know that you got hepatitis A until weeks later, months even. It's nasty. Times. All right, let's start with the Dirty Dozen. So um, the Dirty Dozen. So the Dirty Dozen has been, it's been done by, it's called Environmental Working Group. And they take all, like the USDA does a bunch of residue testing, residue like um, pesticides, fungicides, et cetera. They do a bunch of uh, residue testing uh, on every single year. And this group grabs that data and then shows the most amount of pesticides on some fruit, on the, the top 10 which would be the dirty dozen or top 12, excuse me, the dirty dozen, which is the, which is the ones that have the most amount of pesticides, fungicides, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And then the least amount, which would be the clean 15. And they've, they've been doing this for, I think 20 years or so. I remember doing a study for one of these associations of one of these products on here. It was like a four year project in the San Joaquin Valley of California, um, where we just did a bunch of residue testing at Primus Labs for for them to test to see you know to try to do a marketing against this this thing. So, Francine, tell me about the Dirty Dozen. Well, it appears that they take forty six thousand five hundred and sixty nine samples of forty six fruits and vegetables. That's it, covering two hundred fifty one different pesticides. Wow. Well, should we name them off? 
Should we yeah, name them off? You want to name off yeah, the top actually, 10? Yeah. Oh. So the fruits and vegetables on the Dirty Dozen for this year are strawberries at the top of the list, spinach, kale, collard, and mustard greens are number three, peaches, pears, nectarines, apples, grapes, bell and hot peppers, cherries, blueberries, and green beans. Those are on the Dirty Dozen. Um, and the Clean 15? The Clean 15 are, oh good, avocados is number one. I love avocados. <laughs> Not that I think this necessarily means anything, but sweet corn, pineapple, onions, papaya, sweet peas, frozen, asparagus, honeydew melon, kiwi, cabbage, mushrooms, mangoes, sweet potatoes, watermelon, and carrots. Some sweet corn, papaya, summer squash sold in the United States is produced from genetically modified seeds. Yes. So they recommend that consumers buy organic varieties of these crops if they want to avoid the genetically modified produce. Right. And by the way, this study is done by the Environmental Working Group. Um, And their number one, like if you go to their website, they really dislike major agriculture. In their website about us... They, they, one of their quotes is, we're reimagining the way our food goes from farm to table because the way produce food influences our health, quality of life, and our environment. So EWG pushes for common sense farming practices that protect our drinking water and produce healthier food. Nobody disagrees with that. But one of the things that just kind of makes me go, hmm, is under factory farms – They put on under factory farms, uh, large-scale agriculture isn't just a nuisance, but a health threat to the people living nearby. Disappropriately, people of color and low-income communities. So right off the bat, you get to see that their opinion is that large-scale agriculture is a nuisance. It's not just a nuisance. It's a health threat. So it's good to know – where people are coming from when they create studies like this. The study is not designed, for instance, to to make large agriculture look good, right? It's it's to make small agriculture uh, look good, and, and you know, and really, truly, they are pushing like organic with with the description of non GMO on there. But organic is can also be large agriculture. Some of the Major organic companies that my company had audited in the past and I absolutely love are like Lakeside Organics, Cal Organics, which is owned by Grimway. Great food safety practices, amazing companies, but they are large. They're large farming companies. So it's interesting that there's no caveat on there. They just – that group just doesn't like large agriculture. Um, So it's good to know where that comes from. I actually am – I don't care. I'll eat organic, I'll eat conventional. And in fact, there's actually higher risk in food safety for organic than in conventional, just because organic fertilizer is made of poop and inorganic fertilizer is not. I'll never forget being at a conference. I think it was IAFP. And the speaker said, let's not forget that E. coli is organic. (laughs) Yes. E. coli and salmonella are organic. And I thought, wow, that's impactful. So is arsenic. So is um, nicotine. And nicotine is a organic pesticide. So for for um, people who are out there right now and just assume that pesticides are not used in organic is wrong. Pesticides are used in organic, but they are organic pesticides. 
but they're still pesticides. So you can use nicotine, but a drop of nicotine will kill a person instantly. It'll stop your heart like that. So there are pesticides out there that are perfectly organic that are extremely lethal. So that there is a misperception that I think has been driven by media and stuff that organic is inherently better than conventional. And that is, in my view, inaccurate. Many people believe that if it says organic, there are no pesticides used. Correct. And that is not true. Yeah. And so when we look at this dirty dozen, I've worked for and with numerous different residue testing labs. And when I use residue, just it's it's myriad of different things that are utilized chemically on plants for pesticides, herbicides, et cetera. They're just lumped into residues. And we're testing at parts per billion like five parts per billion or lower now. And the vast majority of the time, you don't find anything, even at parts per billion. Of chemicals that are put on the crop, and we know that they're put on the crop, you still don't find it. Because most pesticides, most, maybe glyphosate might stay on for a while, will we'll, we'll be gone. Because of wind, because of rain, because of sun, et cetera, they disappear before the crop is harvested. And in fact, they're in our audits, you have to follow the label of the pesticide or herbicide or whatever, the residues. And so what you're doing is when, you, when you're following that label, it tells you when you should apply the pesticide, how soon human beings can go into that field after the pesticide is done, and then how long it will take for that pesticide to be gone before you harvest it. Um, and I mean, we're talking about minuscule and the pesticides used today are very, very low risk and, and low toxicity compared to, I mean, 50 years ago, some of this stuff was nasty, terrible chemicals, but now the risk of toxicity is so low that it's, it's kind of a moot point, but I feel like the fear of pesticides has increased, not decreased over the years when people should have been really afraid of it 50 years ago and not as afraid of it today. I think that's because people are still reading the statistical information that was put out from what they were using 50 years ago. Right. And they're reacting to the stuff that our parents consumed. Right. And that data, because oftentimes the data is older and the statistical information that is released is older information. And when you look at this dirty dozen versus the clean 15, look at it again, Francine, and tell me what screams out of you, uh, screams at you, sorry, not screams out of you. That would be like the exorcist. Ah! <laughs> no, no, screams at you. When you look at the difference between the dirty dozen, the co- commodity wise, versus the clean 15, what are some major differences between those two? Are you talking about the products? The actual products themselves. I mean, we're talking about strawberries, spinach, kale, peaches, pears, nectarines, apples, grapes, bell peppers, cherries, blueberries, green beans. That's on the dirty dozen versus the clean 15, which are avocados, sweet corn, pineapple, onions, papaya, sweet peas, asparagus, honeydew, kiwi, cabbage, mushrooms, mangoes, sweet potatoes, watermelon, carrots. What screams at you? Okay, I'm searching for an answer that I don't think I'm going to get. The dirty dozen are all fruits or spinach and kale, which are grown, kale or mustard green, which are grown in the ground and last a while before you harvest them. Okay. 
where strawberries, peaches, pears, nectarines, very high sugar contents, and they're on the tree or on the ground for a while, right? So those are going to just use common sense, guys. If you don't use a pesticide, they're going to get consumed. And so all of these products, whether they are conventional or organic, pesticides are used on a massive scale. If you're getting organic product at your grocery store, there is usually something on there in order to minimize the amount of bugs that are consuming these products. Now, it's going to be an, inor- it's going to be an organic pesticide, but it's still going to be some sort of pesticide. Now, on the, the Clean 15, avocados, avocado is covered by a shell. Sweet corn is covered by a husk. Pineapple is covered by this massive bush. Onions are under the ground. Papaya, covered by a shell. Sweet peas, they put on here, frozen sweet peas. I don't know why sweet peas aren't being attacked by bugs as much. Asparagus. Asparagus are shoots that come out and are cut very quickly before it turns into this massive bush. So when you look at like an asparagus field, it's just these, it's these shoots. I mean, it's like a, uh, it's basically like the initial stem of what will ultimately become a bush. And so those are cut very quickly. There's not enough time for bugs to get to them. Honeydew, again, covered by a shell. Kiwi, again, covered by a shell. Cabbage, again, covered basically by a shell. Its own shell, but it's covered by a shell. Mangoes, same thing. Watermelon, same thing. Carrots, underground. So just common sense would tell you that, yes, there's going to be more pesticides on the top one than on the bottom. You skipped mushrooms covered by poop. (laughs) Yes, yes, I did skip mushrooms. You're right. Okay, so but do you know how mushrooms are grown? Mushrooms grown for human consumption are grown in dark rooms. And mushrooms, they get attacked by viruses very quickly, which will ruin the crop. And so the mushroom rooms are basically sanitized. And the, yes, mushroom fertilizer is poop. Mushroom um, compost is, is basically poop. But they sanitize the crud out of that right. poop before they, they, before they use it. And so when you walk into a mushroom facility, if it's not basically like a clean room, then that product won't exist because it'll be consumed by things that want it, which are viruses and stuff. But it's, it's fascinating. Every year they put this out and it scares people into not consuming perfectly good products like spinach and kale are so healthy for you. And all the other things just taste really good. I love everything on these. There's not much I won't eat. Yeah, right. There's nothing here that would keep me from eating any of this. <sighs> Which makes me so sad. Like I've seen what you eat too. And I'm like, my gosh, the metabolism you must have. Because <laughs> you and I both will eat anything, but I look like I will eat anything. <laughs> <laughs> you do not. So yeah, there's nothing. I mean, there's. I would eat any of this. There's nothing here that I don't eat. Not a huge fan of kale, but oh, I love kale. Ugh, no, not a huge fan. I mean, I'll eat it, but I'll put kale. Like I'll just have raw kale, you know, just chopped up and put into a salad. Or one of the things I love to do is kale with like garlic, olive oil, and uh, some sort of like vinegar or something like that. Yeah, me cooked up. I'll eat it in a salad, but like. Like, have you ever eaten like the baked kale or the like the kale chips? And uh, oh, yeah, yeah, I like kale chips too. I mean, I will take potato chips over, I'll take potato or corn chips over kale chips, but (laughs) you need both. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah. Let's just say when you're walking, when I'm walking down that aisle, I'm not the one grabbing the kale chips. <laughs> I'm grabbing the potato or the corn chips. But yeah, me too. Um. Well, for, I avoid that aisle, but yeah, I prefer potato chips over kale chips. Yes. Okay. So. What, what to get out of this, at least, is if you are frightened by this type of studies like this, I would say don't be frightened by it. Don't be frightened by it. Eat the strawberries, eat the spinach, eat the peaches. Oh, gosh, peaches are so good. It's important when these types of studies come out, there needs to be more than one study, and you need to get as much information as you can. Yeah. You know what I mean? You need to look at it from a bunch of different perspectives, not just one perspective. Yeah. And also understand that a lot of times these studies on both sides, on any side is, man, I, I kind of feel, I kind of feel sad because I feel like science has been overtaken by opinion. It's like people have an idea. I believe this. So I am going to go and test to see if this is true. That's how science used to be. Hypothesis, you know, then you go and you experiment and then you find out if your assumption was correct or not. Now I feel like it's more, I believe this and I am going to create experiments in science that comes out with what my opinion is and I am going to phrase it as such. So then it, the science becomes more about the marketing of whatever the study is more than what the study actually is. It's almost too as if if you want to write an article, you can almost find a study to support whatever article you want to write. If you don't want to look at all the different opinions, <laughs> whereas I would prefer to write one with as many different opinions as I can find to show the different, all the sides, you know what I mean? Rather than it be one-sided. Right. Well, you and I have done this in the podcast. You and I have had different opinions so far multiple times. I think the what I find is interesting is more the conversation about why someone has a, a certain opinion as opposed to trying to change somebody else's mind. And also just getting making sure that all the data is out there for everybody to make a, a well-researched opinion. Because for some people, I mean, for everybody, food is a very, very important thing. It is one of the few things in life that everybody does. Everybody eats, Right. And food is very cultural. Food is very spiritual. I mean, at mass, you have food, you know, at church, we do communion, um, at different types of, of services or holidays is wrapped around food. Food is an emotional, spiritual, it's, it's nourishing. It could be deadly. I mean, a lot of things that we talk about that actually the next topic we're going to talk about is deadly. And so it, everybody has an opinion on food. And I just find it fascinating to learn everybody's opinions and then just be kind of agnostic, <laughs> except for if it's going to kill somebody, then then we can agree not uh, that that that's probably not good. It's not important that we always agree about anything. No. We can agree to disagree. Actually, life would be very boring for me if everybody agreed with everything. Yeah. So the next topic is actually organic strawberries, frozen strawberries. And so people, this is very, very popular. In fact, we'll put the link down below. If you're getting these strawberries from almost any store and you put these strawberries, organic strawberries, these organic strawberries in your smoothies or whatever, stop. Cause I know that's a, that's a very, I mean, I do that. I'll make strawberry and kale smoothies or whatever, um, with protein and 
but this in, in this this outbreak just happened, and it's and we'll put the link down below um, for food safety news. Thank you, Bill, for creating such a great resource, Bill Marler. Um, and yeah, hepatitis A. It is absolutely terrible. That is one of the most nastiest illnesses that 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 could be foodborne. Oh gosh, listerosis may be up there, but it is bad. And so this recall started, from what I remember, in in um, San Diego. They started recalling the strawberries in San Diego. And as soon as I saw that, I thought, well, it's not going to be long till they're recalling these strawberries elsewhere. And sure enough, it did start to spread. And it's, as you said, due to hepatitis, hepatitis A virus being in these organic strawberries. And as we said, yeah. organic does not mean safe. Um, I know somebody that lives in San Diego, and as soon as I saw this, I sent her the link, um, thinking that she might shop at that Costco in San Diego. And immediately she sent me a message saying thank you, because apparently <laughs> she may have purchased some of these. I'm not sure. But, you know, I always wonder whenever these recalls come out, how many people aren't even aware that the product's been recalled. That is so true. So I work a, I, I work a lot in traceability and recalls and stuff. And that actually the, the traceability is hard enough um, up until the store, let alone then to the consumer. And so unless the, the store level – so this is where the reward card actually makes sense. So people who don't who are like, I don't want anybody to have my data. I, I don't need to have a discount to blah, blah, blah. It actually behooves you to have those reward cards because that's the only way that retailers have the ability to connect with you if there is a recall. Because then your purchase is tied to that rewards. And so they have that data. They have that consumer data. And you know, given these strawberries, you've got it at Costco. You have to have a Costco card in order to do that. But some of this was done in like Trader Joe's was sold through Trader mm-hmm. Joe's. Kirkland. Or it's a no, that's the brand, I guess. Kirkland Signature Organic Strawberries was the brand. Right, which is Costco. It says PCC Community Markets. Yep. Um, but you know, you you are right. There's a lot of people that don't want people to have their information so they don't get the cards. We know about the recalls because again, we're food safety nerds and we get the nerd news and all of that. So we know immediately when these things happen. My website, SavvyFS.com, we have the recalls. There's a banner that goes across my website that the recalls are always every day. They stream across my website. But to my point, there's a lot of these recalls. There's people that I'm sure that have things that have been recalled over the last, you know, what, six, eight, nine months that people still have things in their freezer. I'd be willing to bet there are. Well, 100% which is a big difference between frozen foods or center aisle type of foods like cereals, that type of stuff. I mean, that stuff could last forever. So if you're recalling that, or not forever, but for a very long time versus produce, where a lot of times by the time you find out that there's a recall with produce, it's gone. It's either been consumed or it's been thrown away. But for this one, look your your freezer and see if you have this. Check the link in the podcast. But if you just, if you just actually... Google organic strawberries hepatitis A or organic strawberry frozen organic strawberries recall, it'll pop up and there'll be a bunch of things, a bunch of articles. But the one for food safety news actually places the brand, the states at which those brands were sold, what the UPC number is. So you can go and like check the UPC number, 
And so I would, I would just go do that. So, and another important point is there is certain strains of hepatitis A, there's a vaccine that if you're exposed with a certain window of time, you can go get. Really? First of all, there's a, there's a vaccine for food service individuals that is recommended if you work in food service that can prevent hepatitis A. If you work in food service, you should have a hepatitis A vaccine. Really? You didn't know that? No, I did not know that. Oh, Matt Ragushi, I know something that you don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you know a lot of things that I don't know. <laughs> You're like doing a dance. Come on, Francie. <laughs> Uh, you're so funny. So really, truly, if you work in food service, you should do a hepatitis A vaccine. Mm -hmm. That is fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. You should have, yes. If you work in food, so it's not mandated. I feel like it should be mandated. Um, if you work in food service, there are some States, um, I believe West Virginia might be mandated. Parts of West Virginia might be mandated, but in general, West Virginia, they don't listen to our podcast, but they're forcing vaccines on people. In certain areas of West Virginia, I believe that they might mandate for food service workers. Huh. We've learned from COVID. Forcing people to, to get vaccinated is very, very complicated. Um, but it, it, that is – that is ah oh man, that is uh, – you know, I basically have a food service, a restaurant in my house. So maybe I should get hepatitis A vaccine. <laughs> did, you get, did you get hepatitis A vaccine? No. However, whenever I traveled to, I think it was when I went to Peru, I think I might have had to. Oh, is that one of those things you have to like re-up? Because that was a long time ago. Yes. This says if consumers purchased the recalled frozen organic strawberries and ate those berries in the last two weeks and have not been vaccinated against hepatitis A, they should immediately consult with their healthcare professional to determine yeah. whether post-exposure prophylaxis PEP is needed. That's interesting that the vaccine could work after you consume. There's a window of time. I think it's, I thought huh. it was 10 days, but I think this says two, this says two weeks. The hepatitis A vaccine is recommended for unvaccinated people who have been exposed to the hepatitis A virus within two weeks of consuming the contaminated products, foods or beverages. Vaccination can prevent hepatitis A virus infection if given within 14 days of exposure. Wow. So 14 days of exposure, but you don't, you, the, hmm, that's interesting because the, you, you don't, you won't know, you won't have any symptoms until 15 to 50 days mm -hmm. after. Now, again, we've talked about this before. I don't know what I ate 50 days ago. I know. I know. So this has been going on for a while. So this is one of those, it's like we were talking about the listeria outbreak, um, which we'll have to like talk about next episode where that is. Um, but like this, this, this hepatitis outbreak has to have been going on for a while in these strawberries. And it, it'll probably go on for a while, just like what you said. People are going to be ignorant that this even exists, and they're going to continue consuming their strawberries in their freezer. Um, and so this could be going on for like a year. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Wow. Well, and then it's not just for the people that ate them. Then they yeah. come into contact with other people because how's hepatitis A spread? Through, uh, through body. Well, at poop. Yeah. Through body, yeah, yes, yes, that's what I meant. Actually, why, why I didn't say poop when that's the name of our podcast, but yes, yeah, through. Oh my gosh, so disgusting. So, so there was a huge hepatitis A outbreak many, many years ago. I don't know if you remember this, the um, from the Green Onions. Uh huh. And so that was interesting. So what are the what I okay? What I find Chichis. fascinating about this is what you're looking for, Chi Chi's. Chi Chi's, yes. 
but but it was just not just to Chi-Chi's. It was actually the green onions had been sold to other places. Chi-Chi's was the one that got hit the hardest, which actually made a bunch of people look at how to figure out the supply chain faster because it took a long time for them to figure out where those um, green onions came from and what happened. And this is what I find fascinating about outbreaks like this. I think they're absolutely terrible. And that anybody who gets sick from them, it's 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 such a terrible um, experience. And I could never imagine going through something like that. Every single time it happens, though, we learn more about what happens in the field through the processing and through distribution. And with this one, it was a dirty diaper. The, the harvesting crew were allowed to bring their babies to the harvest. They changed the diaper of the baby and threw the diaper on the ground, the field was flooded or irrigated, and it spread through all the green onions. Oh, wow. And yeah, so that's why in our in the audits that we have uh, for food safety audits in the field is, is not having children in the field for a myriad of issues. A lot of times there's like child labor. I've actually been to facility uh, farms where I've seen children in the field, dogs in the field, et cetera, et cetera. But we, we got to learn why that hepatitis outbreak happened and then create processes to change some of that stuff. And th- this was years ago. Like that Chi-Chi's thing, what was that? Like 20 years ago, Francine? It was- Oh my heavens. I can't- A long time ago. It, it, it has been a while ago, but this is the- um this is one of the uniquenesses in our different perspectives and what we in 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 our backgrounds and what we do because whenever I you know am at a conference or happen to be talking about this because this is one of the stories that I talk about fairly frequently on the retail side of the world you know when people talk about this story and they're relating to this story what they remember is chichis. And that Chi-Chi's made a bunch of people sick yeah. and that Chi-Chi's ultimately ended up going out of business. Nobody cares about that supplier. Nobody nobody remembers that supplier's name. Right. What they remember is that they don't even remember that it was green onions. When you start to talk about it, they don't even remember that it was green onions. When you start to ask people, so what, what exactly was the product? How did this happen? And we hear a variety of stories about how this happened. Um now, you know, I know that it was green onions, but the average individual just knows that Chi-Chi's made a lot of people sick. And, and that's the point. The brand carries the burden. Yes. And that's why it's so important for the brand that they know what's happening with their suppliers because they frequently, while the supplier is clearly responsible, it's so important for that brand to know about their supply chain and what's happening right. within their supply chain. Because even even brands, even brands oftentimes can't tell you specifically what happens within the supply chain right. and what caused that. But that that's important. What you just said is very important for brands to know and to understand. So well, and it takes a while. So there there's a lot of um it takes a long time. It takes a long time. And there's a lot of investigation. It's like crime scene investigation. I mean, kind of is actually, but it's 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 touching the multiple different points of where that product came from and why that happened. But the distributor did not forget. I ended up working on a huge project with them because, and and they remembered this because they were hit too. And it, they didn't even grow it. They were just distributing the product, but they were also sued and everybody gets sued down the line um, when really it was an issue at the farm. 
and while that's going on and everybody's trying to get, figure this out, as you said, it's a, it's a process. It's like a crime scene investigation. While you're trying to figure that out, many times people are continuing to get sick and die. Yes, because it might not, it might not affect. So that dirty diaper obviously affected that field. Right. So, and that field had, you know, they're, they're producing a lot of green onions over a period of time in that field, but that field is, is, is centrally located. It's one, it's, it's going to have a few lots and it's done. If the food safety issue comes from a bad batch of fertilizer that may have been spread on multiple fields within that region, when I say bad, bad fertilizer, that usually is organic fertilizer, inorganic fertilizer. If you're ever driving through an, a farm, uh, like a like an area that has a bunch of farms, and you see piles that are like green and pink, <laughs> that's inorganic fertilizer. It's just chemicals. It's, it's pure nitrogen, pure phosphate, etc. Organic fertilizer generally is made from manure. So if you have a bad batch of that that wasn't done correctly, and you spread that across the field, you'll have a systemic issue, which means everything has a problem, and that could be in that field, or if that bad batch continued to be made and then spread through a bunch of farms, you can have it through a bunch of farms. And that's where it gets very confusing. Or if there's an issue with the canal. So a lot of our farms are fed off of canals, not just wells, but canals. And so those canals are just basically rivers of water that are coming down. And, you know, there's a bunch of things that can happen in those. And if there's a big issue with that, then, you know, it's going into your pond. If that pond isn't treated well within that area, then you can have a systemic issue from the water. So there's a bunch of different places and it ends up being consumed through, you know, one of these like frozen strawberries at a bunch of different grocery stores. And, you know, it's, it's, it's much bigger than, than just buying the product from the grocery store. It's making sure that, that all the way down the supply, everybody's doing what they're supposed to be doing to minimize the chances of you eating poop. Right. And like you said, everybody on that list gets sued. Everybody on that list gets sued. And, and, it's a huge reason why you and I talk about washing hands because one of the main reasons why something could go wrong is, you know, a harvest crew worker has hepatitis and everybody's using the same porta potty and mm-hmm. now you're spreading hepatitis and you're not washing your hands and now you're going out and you're picking these strawberries and if you haven't washed your hands and you're picking these strawberries by hand, they're picking these by hand, then you're spreading hepatitis and it could be a whole harvesting crew has this issue. And, you know, so many times, uh, and I think this is what you and I try to do, it, it's not that complicated. Many times I think it sounds like it's so intimidating and so complicated and it the way it's presented to individuals, and it's really not. Washing hands? No, the whole process. You, the, the reason why the, the process is so complicated is because of how many times product changes hands. I mean, the explanation. I'm sorry. I'm talking about the explanation of the process. I'm not talking about the process oh. itself. I mean, the explanation of the process when it's relayed um, to the average individual. Right. Well, the average individual, the average consumer thinks that product goes from farm to grocery store or farm to restaurant. And that is not the case. A lot of times product will go uh, change hands like three, four, five times before it ever gets to the restaurant or to the grocery store. Um, so it's kind of crazy. We are like, we have talked for such a long time. Do we have like a myth or something to talk about? What we're going to talk about is one of the most dangerous, dangerous things that um, I guess basically trends, TikTok trends, most dangerous TikTok trends you should never try. Good job, Francine. <laughs> Way to get that out. <laughs> 
Have you ever tried to make a grilled cheese sandwich in your toaster? No. Don't. Wait, somebody makes a grilled cheese sandwich in their toaster? Apparently. It's a thing. It's a TikTok thing. Um, Do not stick a grilled cheese sandwich in your toaster. We're not talking about a toaster oven, right? We're talking about like – not a toaster oven. We're talking about like an actual toaster. Apparently, you would need the wide – the wide like bagel slice. (laughs) You think? (laughs) You can burn your house down. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, are are people putting butter on the toast before they're sticking it in it too? You know, I would have to assume so. I mean, it would be nasty if you didn't. But um, yeah, first of all, the rule of thumb is only use your appliances for their intended use. Your toaster is not a panini press. (laughs) Panini press. (laughs) No, it is not. Was that – okay, first off, just curious. Was that – written by the author or did you just add the toaster is not a panini press i'll never tell um <laughs> so why would somebody think that they can t- stick <laughs> stick cheese butter two slices of bread in their toaster and make a grilled cheese well i i don't know if, if you have met people who have who are consumed a lot of pot and then they have the munchies. <laughs> They're like, what am I going to do? I don't know. Oh, shoot. I want a grilled cheese sandwich, but I, I don't have a burner, but I have this toaster. I so. mean, I've okay. met people that have not taken drugs that might fit the criteria. But <laughs> I mean, let's not forget, I worked in a restaurant for a lot of years and saw employees do some things that I would question. Oh, uh, like the like the Starbucks thing you sent over to oh me. Oh, my God. First of all, don't ever make a grilled cheese sandwich in your toaster. You're going to burn your house down. <laughs> your, your insurance coverage is going to get canceled. If you <laughs> or you might get kicked out of your dorm room. <laughs> Either or. Your parents are going to throw you out or whatever. Something. Your landlord. <laughs> yes. So the guy takes a steak to Starbucks. Yes. And tries to make, what was it, steak fajitas or something? He cooked this steak in Starbucks. And they, of course, fired him. Yes, of course they did. Because he takes the steak and tries to make steak fajitas. And he's he's surprised that they fired him for doing this. Okay, so there is, there's a ton of problems with the fact that he took a steak into Starbucks. He cooked it. First off, I have to I have to um, applaud him for his creativity and his um, longevity. I mean, he figured out. I mean, he this was not his first steak that he made there because he figured out that you had to press the panini button three times in order to, and then and then flip the steak and do it three more times in order to get the perfect doneness of that steak so how many he had gone through and did you see like he had like a cast iron pan and everything oh he was set up <laughs> by the way it is very very hard to get fired from a starbucks i know because i was a manager there and trying to get rid of employees was almost impossible so uh i don't know how many times he was told not to do this before they let him go but uh I mean, yeah. there's food safety risks risks out the wazoo with him taking his so much. Yes. So the next time I order my white chocolate mocha at Starbucks, I'm gonna be like, nobody is prepared. <laughs> yes. I oh, I feel like this guy, like his next career should be a food truck and he can make whatever he wants. I'm I'm I bet that those steak fajitas were bomb. I bet they were awesome. How how he had figured out that recipe, everything like that. Like he obviously was very passionate. I think 
more passionate about his um, Starbucks made steak fajitas than he was his job. More more passionate than b- making some mocha frappuccinos or something. He like had that. way too much time on his hands. Yes. So we have a lot of don't what not to do on this one instead of just not eating poop. We do. So one of these podcasts, we need to talk about the link I sent you about the guy that got fired from the manufacturing company. Um, <sighs> you know what I'm talking about, right? Yes. For uh, jumping into something. Is this the one you're talking about? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh, that is so funny. Yeah, well, yes. we'll talk about oh, we have to, we have to like literally read that article because it it could be a movie. What this guy did. Oh my god. We're, 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 okay, we're not going to spoil it, but we are going to tease it. If you want to hear about this, you need to listen to our next podcast. Yes, we'll talk about it in the next podcast because we are over. Each podcast gets a little bit longer. We need to, you know, cut it <laughs> off here. <laughs> Yeah, we're gonna get we're gonna get so much trouble from Joe. He's gonna be like, "Come on, guys, what the heck is going on?" We can't have a two hour podcast. You know what he's gonna start doing? He's probably gonna start charging us on the minute as opposed to the project. <laughs> Hi, this is Joe, the producer, and I'm interrupting the podcast with a message for Matt. Don't give me any ideas. Cut that out, Joe. I don't want to give you any ideas. <laughs> Too late. Talk to you next time. Talk to you next time. Don't eat poop, guys. Don't eat poop. It might give you hepatitis or worse. <laughs>